and we're back with living the guide life up in minnesota today had some really nice weather guys get out there go walk around the woods find some sheds i was out there actually uh doing some turkey scouting this past weekend gonna be out there again um just running my usual routes checking trail cameras stuff like that and i hope you guys are kind of doing the same thing as turkey season starts to roll out through the entire United States, I hope you boys and girls are getting after them. I know I will be up coming soon. We're going to be doing a little film for everybody on our turkey season up here. Got a couple guys coming from uh, Texas and Louisiana, and we're just going to be filming turkey hunts all week long. So make sure to stay in tune for when that drops out in a couple weeks and you heard it here first but today this episode is brought to you by chasing foul outfitters come on everyone's thinking about this next upcoming season make sure to book your hunts now we want to have you and this is the time to do it get your good dates in while everything is kind of going on everyone's ready to roll we're starting to you know fix up the trailers again fix up the four-wheelers and you know wash those decoys off because we're itching man we're ready for september to come around and start shooting those early season hawkers again so today's episode is brought to you by chasing foul outfitters come get in on the hunt and shoot me a message i'm uh i'm always open if anyone has any questions on anything make sure to just uh come and ask it doesn't hurt so today we actually have nick kosas on and we are going to be digging into his new outfitter up in saskatchewan on how they're going to run it what he wants and envisions it to be after running and gunning with so many different outfitters with dive bomb and learning the ins and outs of what really makes a good outfitter so we dig into that and dig into about you know what might happen this fall up in canada and if people are going to be up there or not and that's kind of the big question everyone's wondering so we dig into that a little bit um and we also dig into his partnership at split read and how that's a place that he really wants to expand on and make sure that keeps growing and run hit run it the way he wants it be run so we're gonna dig into that and i hope you guys really enjoy this one it's awesome mr uh, nick kostas is an absolute blast to have on i actually met him way back when over at the game fair up in minnesota when dive bomb came no reason for him to remember me but i i remember him and he's a special dude he's a really great dude to talk to and i was an honor to get to chat with him so i hope you guys really enjoy this one with episode 37 today of living the guide life and we have nick costas on from the owner of thunderbird outfitters up in saskatchewan and a partner of split read and recently um started to get into the new chapter of his life and was an employee over at dive bomb and now full-time doing split read and thunderbird so nick how are you doing good man can't complain. Big. Warmer, warmer, warmer than you are. <laughs> oh yeah, 
Yeah, no, we're trying to get ready for turkey season over here, and this snowstorm really uh, stopped my scouting abilities. Yeah, I believe it. It's been uh, it's been not ideal for us we're trying to trying to get things ready to roll, but can't hardly do that. And then got snow goose season coming up. Got to go uh, swing over to South Dakota a little bit. Yeah, but I'll yeah. be in South Dakota in about two weeks. Just flatland flyways. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be running out there. I think later this week or early next week. So I gotta nice. kind of figure out when work will let me go out there. Nice. But yeah, no. So uh, how did I want to hear your story about how you got into hunting and photography and all this kind of stuff? Uh, well, I um, I didn't really grow up waterfowl hunting i didn't uh you know my dad didn't take me out when i was six or anything like that yeah i went once when i was young with a friend and then i went i started going in high school uh, a couple times uh i went like twice or something in high school and uh i played baseball i played baseball a lot and i actually drank a lot so i didn't just never got into it really and i went once in uh once or twice in high school and then once i got sober actually uh i got sober when i was 18 okay. um, my sponsor in aa was like i'll sponsor you but you got to go hunting with me and then i basically just went went just i got i basically replaced my time that i spent drinking and stuff and focus on that to with hunting and um just um, kind of made a very big effort to learn as much as i can and go as much as i can and offered to, like like with my sponsor in his hunt club helped you know build boardwalks and do stuff like that so i could get to go hunting and um i just kind of made it made it a priority and uh kind of took off from there and then uh moved to montana and i wanted i was working an office job and wanted to I was like, man, I'm working, making money to get time off to go hunting. And all I want to do is hunt. And um, so I, I wrecked a car and ha I had a pretty good insurance check. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a, uh, buy a camera, try to teach myself, and I'll give myself a couple years if it works. Sweet. If not, I'll sell it and keep rolling. But uh, yeah, it kind of worked out. And now I'm, now I'm here. That's awesome. What camera did you buy when you uh, got that check? Uh, I bought a 5D Mark IV, which I still have today. I went to, it's kind of funny, I, I still remember it pretty well. I went to uh, the camera store, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be a photographer. I don't know anything about it, and I want the best shit you got. And they were like, okay, well, here's a starter thing that's pretty good. Oh, no, they asked, like, do you want crop sensor full frame? I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just want a good one and they were like all right what do you want this is like an ADD or like a 90d like this is a good starter and i was like no i'm not doing starters i'm all in give me the good shit and they were like kind of like talking to me like i was an idiot and i mean i was but i basically was just like i'm buying one camera and i want the good shit i'm gonna learn it i like i just was confident that i would learn it and that's what that's how it went i still have it that's awesome what camera are you running mostly now or are you running the same one uh i have 5d and um 
I dropped it in the river, the Black River on um, in Arkansas this year, oh. and I got a insurance. I had insurance on that, so I got it. Uh, I got it fixed, and then I got an R5, which is the mirrorless. And for some reason, the mirrorless it's awesome. Um, I still don't feel as confident with it as the 5D. I, I just got to use it some more, but a little bit different, a little bit more complex. I feel like, but yeah, I just I do the Canon deal. Yeah, how do you like the DSLR compared to the mirrorless? This, I'm not like honestly, I am not smartest camera guy. <laughs> like as far as like terminology and like I kind of know like if I press this or do this, it's gonna work. Do this, like I'm really not. And uh, like sometimes people are talking about like certain things and I'm just like man I don't even know what that means but I'm, I mean it's crazy that I'm I don't know I don't know I, I know how my camera works that's all I'm gonna say yeah. but uh I think that the um I think the DSLR for some reason I may be wrong I've only had it for a couple of months I feel like the DSLR has better like color okay yeah but I, that, I mean someone might be listening to that and be like Scott's an idiot but that's my uh that's my my observation <laughs> absolutely and uh how did you get connected with dive bomb um so when i let's see when i was so after i bought that camera i i basically just hunted my ass off took as many pictures as i could and just started trying to make money with it and um i was just reaching out to everybody i could trying to get work and get my name out there and i had actually been talking to um uh Aberdeen Wings in Scotland and uh uh I talked to them about doing photos and then dive bomb I'd talked to them I'd been using some decoys and um it kind of I kind of got lucky where I had been talking to Scotland about going to see them and then talking to dive bomb about doing something with them and they were dive bomb was going to Scotland so they were kind of like hey like we all three know each other why don't we why don't we all go together? So basically it was like, yeah. why don't I go to Scotland when dive mom goes? And yeah. then I met Asher there. Uh, we got along and then he asked me to go to Kansas, um, right after that. And I went and we went on with paradise planes. And then, uh, I think I, I think we went to, uh, I think I went to, uh, Oklahoma with Stanfield in January that year. And, I just kind of was like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm available. I'm ready to go. And yeah. and then they ended up hiring me. That's awesome. And how yeah, uh, so. how did you describe that chapter in your life on the experiences you were able to uh, see and do? The dive bomb. Yeah. Uh, dive bomb was awesome, man. It's uh, it. I mean, I I got to go places and do things and. First of all, I got to go places like that's crazy. I mean, I yeah. went to New Zealand. I went to Cold Bay, Alaska. Um, I mean, I, I got to, you know, I probably hunted in 30 states. I mean, I just, I got to see, see the world. And um, I learned a lot. I definitely grew as a hunter as far as, you know, hunting with so many different people and so many different scenarios, like early goose in Washington State versus early goose in North Dakota versus early goose in New York. And, and it just goes to everything. I mean, like, you know, Brant hunting and Eisenbeck National Wildlife Refuge. I mean, just all this different stuff. Springs, spring specs in California and Oregon. Like, 
most people have never done that. So I'm very, very lucky that I was able to go on those hunts and learn from people and see how different people do things and set decoys and stuff like that. So it was, it was just super cool. I mean, I think if you stay open-minded, you know, you, you can learn a ton just hunting with other people, you know, I can always take something away from somebody. And, uh, and then, you know, the guys were awesome at Dive Bomb, me and Aster, uh, you know, he was, me and him been friends the longest and me and him are still super close, still talk a lot. And uh, Cade and Forrest and Cody and uh, Kyle, like all good dudes. And um, it was a lot of fun, super cool job. Uh, but I just kind of, you know, over time, I wanted to keep pushing, kind of pushing the envelope on my personal career and ended up uh, wanting to start an outfitter and do split read and kind of work for myself. Absolutely. I don't blame you. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a great deal uh, you got going on because, I mean, that's my dad always says when you work for somebody, it's more about moving them to the next chapter of their life. And so I feel like that's what you got yep. going on. Yep. I uh, I just, I'm, I guess I could say I'm a pretty driven, like, hungry person. And um, I was just kind of ready for, I wanted more. Yeah. Um, and nothing against Dive Bomb. Love Dive Bomb to death. We'll do anything I can to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just personally, I, I, I need more and I want more. And that's, what, that's where I'm driven to doing the next thing. Oh, absolutely. And it's one thing to work for somebody um, and still love what you do, but then also kind of own your own yep. and work for yourself and kind of build your own company up and all that kind of good stuff. And that's just a yep. whole different ball game on just moving your way up. Yeah. And so that's absolutely. really cool. Um, and so, yeah, you got Thunderbird going now. How did you kind of uh, decide on Saskatchewan and everything about that um so canada Canada's my favorite place to hunt i mean uh, i i just love there's like nothing better to me than taking like those fall fall trips up to canada and just kind of you know just doing whatever you want yeah. i mean it's just kind of like loading the truck up with guys and just hunting and it's just it's just awesome and i've just always always loved being up there and always kind of thought man it'd be so cool to like have a have an outfitter up here and just something you know you kind of always dreamed of having i guess and um you know from time to time i'd look online and see if anybody was selling outfitter zones and licenses and uh you know just kind of check the websites and facebook groups and just kind of browse around and then i found one and i started talking to this guy and uh you know, me and him kind of agreed on a price and everything. And honestly, I bought it thinking of it as like, okay, this is like an investment. I'll have it. And, uh, you know, I don't know, 10 years from now, I could sell it, you know, yeah. maybe I make a ton, make a, maybe I make enough money that I can kind of use it as a hunt club and just go up there in the, you know, in 60 years that they outlaw freelancing, you know, and take my grandkids, whatever, I don't know, 50 years. And, um, who knows, you know, I was just kind of like, I think it's a good, I think I can make money on this investment, whether I, whether I do start an outfitter, I don't think it'd be hard to sell them kind of thing. Yeah. So I bought them and then 
I just kind of in the back of my head, I just kind of kept thinking, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to run, I want to run clients. Like I want to do this. And then I just kind of was like, okay, well, kind of like how I decided the camera kind of thing. It's like, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm 28, like give it three, four years, like give it everything I got. And you know, if it turns out where it's like, man, this wasn't, wasn't your deal. You, you suck ass, <laughs> you know, it, it was a bust. Then, you know, take it on the chin, sell it, move on, whatever. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. Right now, that's what I want to do. And I'm going to do everything I can not to, not to fail or not to sell it or take it on the chin. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I like taking, taking risks and trying new stuff. And so that's the plan for now. Yeah. That and uh, the split read stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, take, uh, take away Ken while you're young and see if you can do it. If not, it's the time to fail um, right yeah, now, I mean, I if anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm very, uh, I'm definitely a person that like, you know, like I'm afraid of failing. Like I don't want to fail, but I'm yeah. not afraid to like take a risk. Yeah. I guess. I, 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 I like betting on myself, but obviously I'm terrified to fail. Like nobody <laughs> wants to fail, but yeah. I put myself in that situation a lot because whenever I'm like super comfortable, that's kind of when I like feel like I'm going to have anxiety, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like to just kind of go head first into it and just keep grinding at it yeah i mean i'm with you and i didn't realize they sell like outfitter zones in canada yeah so it's not like you know some states it depends on the state um like i know for example north dakota i think's one where it's pretty hard to get a guide license there like yeah. you have to have guided for you know two years or something in another state or something mm-hmm. they, they got all they, there's some rules and it's it, there's some barriers to entry on that and then you know but states like texas and oklahoma and kansas i believe you can just you don't even need a guide's license you just can do it yeah so it's it's kind of depends but in canada you have to buy a license to outfit and then you have to buy zones that you're going to outfit in okay um it's not just like you know a free-for-all there it's it's pretty strict and you know you gotta you gotta buy existing outfitter licenses and zones um so yeah that was it was a it was a learning process learning all that but yeah but yeah they they make it a little bit uh a little bit more challenging <laughs> yeah i'm guessing that's for like so people aren't stepping over each other would be my honestly guess. it's it's good for outfitters i guess because you know if they if there was an unlimited amount of outfitters and you just deal with unlimited amount of pressure and yeah you know it just turns into another another shit show um so i think it's good that uh i think it's good that they do it that way yeah no i'm with you on that that way yeah i mean you aren't gonna have a bunch of guys that just come up there and kind of i mean selfishly i mean you know if there's if i had 15 outfitters running the same town or you know it's that sucks yeah you know yeah oh exactly i mean yeah and i mean you were talking about texas they don't have to get a guide license and you see a lot of younger guys just going out there might not be doing the right thing and they're still guiding and they don't have to get a guide license or anything like that Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. I don't know if it's actually if you actually don't even need to have a 
guide license. I know, like, I know in Arkansas, it's like a hundred bucks and you can yeah. get a guide license. I don't know if in Texas and Kansas and Oklahoma, you actually, you may actually do need to go online and get like a certificate, but it's basically saying there's no guide life licenses and it's very easy to get. Yeah. You know, it's not like you have to prove that you've got it for four, have recommendations or, you know, do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. In Minnesota, you don't have to have any sort of guide license or anything. You can just yeah, so that's yep. So some states like that, and I think that's awesome for a lot of people's situations. Yeah. But for other people, you know, it's sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks for a guy that's trying to run a legit, you know, legit business. And, you know, for the college kid that wants to make a little extra money on the weekend, like can't knock him for wanting to do that. But yeah, you know, it sucks maybe if he's stepping on someone else's livelihood, but you know, that's just it is what it is. Suck it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, we uh, we've been running um some clients here and there for like the past two years, um, and now we've got like so many people that want to come hunt. I mean, we're just gonna do it kind of full time this year. And nice. It'll be yeah. Be so that's a perfect example. I mean, you know, you run a couple hunts. That's a great gig for you. Yeah. You know, not having to do the this incredibly intensive outfitter program like uh selection process or becoming an outfitter process but you know for some other guy he might argue that this is bullshit like you know they don't you know it's just i'm just happy with the situation they got in canada i don't i think it's great if you want a guy to make some extra money wherever but yeah i don't care you know <laughs> yeah i'm with you on that yeah it's like i think it's i think it's awesome that you're you know you got the traction you're gonna do it some more i think it's great yeah and for the guys that want to do it and i mean i've had to uh make it like an official business now and everything um just because not gonna have like just like the fun money every weekend i'm just like right. taking only certain amount of groups out but now it's like okay but yeah just gotta go at it and give her help and then i mean i've seen guys up here too that i mean will hunt the same field five mm -hmm. days in a row and guide out of it every single day and might not shoot a bunch. I think that's but... another thing with the uh, the overnight guides or whatever, like that you don't need a guide license because I guess people get screwed more, Yeah. you know, because, I mean, typically you can have a guy that can just say, oh, I've got my uncle's place. I can, <laughs> anytime I can say I've got a thousand birds on it, you know, and yeah. run 10 guns. Yeah. And oh. just overhunt it and not deliver good hunts, you know? Yeah, and you'll see guys like that but i mean it'll come back and bite them in the ass eventually um and then they'll have to absolutely have to quit doing it but i mean yeah i think it's a good deal for i mean kids like me i mean i'm 20 years old so i mean just going through college doing that full-time that way i won't have to uh work in the fall and i can just full-time hunt full-time take people out and then that's great man i'd be doing the same thing yeah so it'll be fun but yeah no um saskatchewan i've always wanted to uh always wanted to run up there we were supposed to go last year but then the borders closed and that was kind of a shitty deal that's kind of the main i guess my big hiccup right now is the border still closed and um you know it's one of those oh is the border gonna open is it not i'm just kind of trying to be prepared for it if it does open um if it does awesome I'm ready to go. Yeah. If not, I'm, you know, trying to do a lot of work for 
split read and get some other photo opportunities and stuff like that. Yeah. Kind of float me through the fall. Um, I have plenty of other work to do. It's just I'm trying to do both of them, make sure both of them are set up. So it's not like, oh, the border didn't open. I'm totally screwed. I didn't do anything to prepare for that. So I'm yeah. kind of preparing for both. And you know, if the border closes, it stays closed. That sucks. But just roll everything over to the following year. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it finally opens up this year. I mean, in Minnesota, they're finally starting to open up like a lot more stuff. And then having stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, they're kind of starting to go at it i mean they're starting to open like concerts for the summer and That's like cool. i think the viking stadium is going to be full capacity um for next fall so i mean they're gradually starting to get after it i mean even though it's our state is our governor's not too bright but that's fine yep yep but yeah I don't know. it'll be it'll be fun to see how it works out but once Canada opens I mean there's going to be people running up there ready to go and I can imagine that'll help you out um, if yeah. people want to try yeah. to get up there yeah man I'm I'd be uh, I'd be super thankful and humbled by anybody that would want to go um, but sure would appreciate it and give them everything I got oh absolutely and uh, how did you get into split read how did that kind of all uh, form up Split read. I actually, uh, I was in Arkansas uh, three, four years ago. Uh, I was actually doing some snow goose guiding, and uh, I was with my partner, and we started thinking about like I was like, man, this snow goose stuff is such a like shit show. Like, <laughs> there's so many people that come down with their you know thousand rags and just say, oh, we're gonna, I'm a snow goose guide. Like, go on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> all for hunts and then they're getting on fields they like can't even get on and then you hear stories about guys who jump shoot stuff with clients and set up the pile picture you know you just it's like it's a nightmare yeah and uh so i started thinking i was like man it sucks because like you know i mean i've kind of you know once you kind of get into the guiding and i guess uh that me working for dive bomb like doing some other stuff you, you just kind of get to know some people you might hear this guy's a not not good news or whatever yeah. but then you think about a guy who i mean lives in you know freaking ohio and he's never been hunting and maybe wants to take his kid hunting i mean he knows literally no one i mean he's 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 not gonna know who's who's for real or not yeah online and you know he books a hunt with some guy that's just you know he's gonna put him in a, a gar hole and he's gonna <laughs> spend 750 bucks for him to go go on a terrible hunt and sit in a field that he knew he was never going to kill anything and i was just kind of like man there's some guys that are just robbing people out here you know yeah and uh so i kind of was like man it'd be cool because i you know i was doing photos at the time for brands but i was like man no one really wants to like give these outfitters a lot of love and um why don't i'm, I'm down i think we should market for these outfitters go hunt with them be like all right this guy's legit like He's got enough trucks on the road scouting. Like, they're doing it right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is a this is a place that a guy who wants to get into hunting, uh, I would recommend them going. You know, if they're like, hey, I want to shoot ducks. I've never been hunting before, but like, like I would trust them. They would have a good experience there. At least, you know, you can't control the birds, but at least they they're not going to get taken advantage of. Yeah. And so, 
I was like, that'd be cool to kind of, you know, build a business like that. And, um, and then also I kind of felt like some of the content and the hunting stuff was kind of middle of the road, not very opinionated, just playing it safe. And so we kind of just built a page and started trying to do some marketing for outfitters and, um, it's turned into a lot of craziness now. Um, got some a really awesome team, and everyone works their works their tail off to whether we're doing video stuff or marketing stuff for outfitters or dog kennels or whatever it is. We're we're giving it everything we got and trying to trying to give put off a good image for waterfowl hunting and uh, help brands and outfitters sell more hunts and products. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I've been, uh, I've watched your uh, YouTube video, YouTube videos for that too, and it's cool to kind of see the full experience. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going, it's going really well. I'm, I'm super excited about it. And, uh, I don't know, we're just trying to, we're trying really hard to be a place for waterfowl hunters to just get honest, honest content, you know, and just, good articles on recipes or you know cool yeah. videos about hunting culture whatever it is we want to just kind of be a place that if you're a waterfowl hunter you're it's just no bullshit it's not really like just a good place for waterfowl hunters to get some good information that's not you know maybe in a you know one one outdoor living magazine on wood duck hunting you know what i mean yeah oh absolutely so that, just be something different yeah, no, I hear you on that. I mean, the articles you guys write up are super fun to read. And then... Uh, cool, even man, the, I appreciate that. Even the recipes, too. I mean, I've tried a couple of the recipes, and they're great. It's just a great That's spot awesome. to, you know, really go check it out. Um, like, and just kind of do it yourself kind of thing after reading what you guys do. And I don't know, it's just really fun. It's really fun and really yeah. cool to see what you guys have got going on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. That venison chili um, that you guys had on the recipe, that was really good. I made that up. Oh, yeah. And I was, oof. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good stuff. That's another thing is, like, with, you know, I would I will not call myself the the best chef ever, but, you know, there's a, there, with, with some effort and, and the, some of that wild game, I mean, you can, you can do some pretty cool stuff that tastes really really good i was in california the other day and i ate i ate some speck that someone made that i swear was like actually better than steak <laughs> it was just like holy cow oh yeah yeah no i i'm with you i i'm not a chef at all but i mean i like to i like to make my own food i mean if i'm gonna go hunt it i like to you know make my own stuff and it's nice as a college kid i mean you're yeah. running running low on money i mean just go cook up some duck and goose or whatever it is and call it good yeah yep and so that's a great thing and then the article i love the article that you guys just dropped the uh, roost hunting it's taboo oh uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome how many uh how many writers do you guys have or how does that kind of work man we have a handful we have a guy uh who kind of runs point on uh the writing and then uh he kind of we kind of we talk to him and he kind of works kind of handles the the writer's work under him kind of because it's kind of a side hustle for everyone so we're trying to streamline it as much as possible where like you know if we talk to 
Ryan, and then Ryan talks to the rest of the writers that just kind of a, try to streamline the process a little bit more. Yeah. But man, I think we've got five or six. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, everyone's kind of got, brings a different flavor to the writing and, uh, and we're always looking for more writers, but, uh, we've got a, we've got a good team and, uh, just trying to, trying to keep people, you know, giving people what they want. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, that's a great thing. I mean, for guys that freelance or whatever it is, um, they're going out trying to learn to do it themselves and this is a great way to kind of watch some of your guys's videos or read some of your articles and gain some knowledge off of that and go bring it to the field right that's kind of a kind of the uh goal yeah be a resource yeah and then also a great way to find you know like you're saying which hunts are going to be worth taking your kid on or you know taking your dad on or whatever it is um, yeah, that's a, that's another thing is like, you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm better than anyone at all. I'm honestly not, but <laughs> it's just, I've been, I've been able to hunt. I've hunted, you know, ducks in 15 different states. So if someone, you know, has a question like, Hey, like I've, I've always heard that this is really cool. Or I've never actually done dry field mallard hunting, you know, or I've never like, it's just kind of like, Hey man, I've done it. And this is where I would recommend or if you're looking for an experience where you can go and just pick pick drakes yeah and you want to shoot you know 10 drakes like you probably don't want to go to canada the first day of september yeah you know everything's brown like you're gonna have you're not gonna get that like so it's just kind of like being a resource because you know if you just go on google and type in like duck hunting you know it's you know you don't know if you're gonna get hosed or not and yeah so Oh, exactly. That's kind of our goal is to just give someone the experience. And then the other thing is a lot of people call and they're like, man, I want a really nice lodge. I want to shoot some ducks. Like that's honestly, if the hunting's good, that's cool. But honestly, it's about drinking whiskey with like my friends. Yeah. And like, that's like, okay, perfect. We'll find you a sweet, we got a sweet lodge. Um, you know, the hunting will, will be good, but uh, you know, make sure you got, you got your whiskey. We're not going to put you in a hotel. You know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, people go out on these Facebook pages and whatnot and try to find out where to go hunt. And then yeah, you don't really know. A, a, you can't trust that. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I, I looked around doing the podcast. I mean, I look for people that are like good guys and I've heard in the industry that I like to talk to, hear their story, whatnot. And I mean, I've used your guys' split read to talk, um, find different outfitters. Like I talked to, uh, Charlie from Golden State. Um, yep. He was a great dude to talk to. Um, Falco, I'm supposed to talk to them here pretty soon. Um, and then just kind of keep on looking for, you know, good guys that know what they're doing and not just going on Facebook waterfowl page and going off of that. Yeah. Uh, how did you decide to start this podcast? Um. Well, back... Back in March, um, when COVID all hit, I got laid off my just like regular day job when I was at college or whatever. And so then I'm like, yeah, might as well like try something out and like go head on with it and kind of start a podcast for people to listen to and hear different stories um, and like 
if you're going to go on a hunt or something, kind of hear about what people have to say about it and kind of how they set things up or whatnot. And my dad's done a podcast, so that kind of inspired me a little bit too. Um, just kind of went from there, man. And uh, now I've been fortunate enough to talk to quite a few guys and you know make a trip or two um, with the guys that I've had on my podcast. I was with Toby Brolin down in Texas at the beginning of February. Oh, nice. And so uh, that was super fun, super cool experience. And then I think we're going to do another podcast here with him, kind of recap it, and then also kind of be able to tell their story as well on what kind of went down and all the hunting that we did. And so it's just kind of a cool spot. I get a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, no, I just, I love doing it. I love hearing people's stories from all around the country and like kind of learning on if I can change tactics up with, you know, my own spreads or whatnot and uh, kind of see where it goes from there. Very cool. But yeah, no, it's been, it's been fun. And then, you know, seeing how different people hunt, hearing how different people hunt, like all different types of waterfowl. I mean, from Washington to Texas to Arkansas, to, you know, now um, trying to hear more about the eastern side of the country. So I'm kind of reaching out over there a little bit because I haven't talked to many of those guys and I'd kind of like to hear on, you know, some of their theories and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it's been a blast, man. I mean, had a bunch of good guys on and uh, yeah, really no complaints. And yeah, I've heard, I like, like you're saying, I mean, with you being in the industry and hearing about some of the guys that kind of aren't the best, I've kind of heard the same things on some different people. So I kind of, kind of realized along the way on who I should be targeting and kind of who really. Yeah, and like, like another thing is like, I'm a big, like I form my own opinions guy. Cause like everywhere you go, you hear, oh, that guy's a douchebag. Yeah. Or, oh, that guy. That guy shoots them tall or whatever the hell somebody wants to say, like whether it's hunting related or yeah. how they hunt or have their personal life. And there's a bunch of people that I'm, I'm friends, you know, like someone will say like, oh, that guy's a douchebag. Fuck that guy. And then yeah. I'll be like, man, dude's great. Like, I don't know. Like I, I haven't had an issue with him. Like don't, yeah. don't, I've definitely hear that you're saying this about him, but you know, I'll keep my eye open. But as far as I know, he treated me well, so I'm going to treat him well. Yeah. And, I try to go off that because if you just go off what everybody says, I mean, gee whiz, you're never going to like anybody. But yeah. uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, definitely you hear something 10, 15 times about somebody. You're like, okay, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. I should maybe stay away from him. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, that's what I mean is like, you know, you, you may hear this or that about people, but I mean, you know, you're the guy that lives in, you know, Kentucky and you're literally, you went, <laughs> duck hunting with your dad 35 years ago and now yeah. you've got a son that wants to go and you're like well i better go on a hunt again and it's like i mean he's got no idea who is good good news or bad news you know yeah. um or you know who's where where's a good spot to take your you know your kid or you know your buddies for a bachelor party or yeah so that's kind of what we do oh absolutely yeah no i'm with you on that unless i like have a bad experience with somebody or I've heard it like multiple times from multiple different people to stay away. I mean, I've yeah. talked to guys with, I mean, 
very little following um on instagram or whatever for the podcast you know just to hear their story or whatever and it's not like i've talked to a bunch of big big uh outfitters or whatever but i mean just hearing different people um and i mean like you said somebody might say they're a douchebag but i mean i know the guys and they're like no those are good dudes they've done nothing but yep. good things with me like i mean yeah it's just yeah. It's just how it is the waterfall industry yep it's like high school <laughs> you couldn't have put it better i mean yeah, yeah you'll you'll see guys tearing people apart for hunting a certain way or, it's crazy uh, man yeah I mean, it's, it's it's crazy it's like keep the week <laughs> it's just like you get instagram and hunting i mean it's it's a bunch of it's like a bunch of freaking divas dude oh yeah yeah everyone's got an opinion it's just crazy man it's like man whatever happened to just going on yeah oh yeah chilling out yeah, because I mean, I talked to uh, Ben Potter from Hunt Forty One, and uh-huh. uh, kind of hearing some of the stories he's experienced and everything. And he's like, "Yeah, man, honestly, like everyone hunts their own way, and everyone's doing something different. Um, and like, you know, some guys might hate you for side shooting geese, but if that's all they're gonna give you, like, you gotta take your take your shots while you can. Um, they're yeah. not always gonna be." 10 yards right in your face. Um, yep. And then you just got to kind of go with that. I mean, people will tear into you for it, but it's like, I'm sure they've done the same thing or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, okay. I, know, I mean, that, that's, that's the funniest thing. Is it's like, you obviously haven't hunted enough if you haven't had to side shoot geese. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, people, I mean, people will tear into anything for waterfall hunting especially yeah, on social it's... media oh yeah yeah you just gotta just do your own thing man enjoy as long as you're having fun and enjoying yourself you're not you know deliberately like i don't know being a douchebag on the internet yeah being a douche you're you're you're, you're doing it right I mean, that's what you're supposed to do just yeah. have fun yeah exactly and that's the thing like everyone goes out waterfowl hunting or goes on guided trips to have fun like nobody's going to you know make bad memories everyone wants to have fun and whether you're hunting public land private land going to the outfit or whatever it is i mean it's all the same have a good time yeah Yeah. going out with your buddies going out with your dad going out with you know your kid whatever it is i mean that's how it is yep yep and so that's a lot of fun but yeah i want to i want to hear more about uh what it's like to hunt in saskatchewan i mean i see it's all it's these a, crazy stories. It's cool, man. It's uh I mean I've hunted I've hunted Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan and I like I like all three of them, you know. I'm not I mean it's I think all three of them are awesome for different reasons, but you know, Saskatchewan's cool. It's just there's there's a I mean, there's just a massive volume of birds and it just when it's cool cuz when you see birds, it's like <laughs> You can probably go hunt them. Like, it's not like, oh yeah, no one's going to hunt that field for fifty years, you know? Like, yeah. So you know, after going up there for a while and just kind of, it's early season, small towns. Like, I, I, I really, really, really like hunting, like, kind of on the road. Like, oh, we're going to hunt this town for a little while, 
and then like oh let's just pack up and move two hours and try to shoot specs yeah and you know now we're in this town we found a motel or we're gonna sleep in the car tonight like i i I just that's how i like that's like i mean obviously it's extremely can get extremely expensive (laughs) uh like you know if you're driving around staying in hotels all that but eating three meals a day out plus gas stations you know (laughs) but that's just how i i I have more fun doing that than anything it's just being like cool like it's that's that's kind of what's cool about canada is it's like oh i'm gonna go over here to the east and try to get into you know the snow geese or i'm gonna go over here and go west a little bit and try to get into some specs or Oh, let's go down. Let's go up north. There's some some lessers up there. You know what I mean? It's just like you just do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. So that's that's what I, I mean. There's just a ton of birds, and you get to just I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It just makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've heard that not many locals hunt waterfowl up there. Is that true? Uh, no. I mean, I mean it. Not like America. I mean, America's waterfowl hunting is insane, you know. Yeah. But there, there's there's there are uh, locals that hunt waterfowl, but you know, I mean, it's not. There's just not that many people up there. Yeah. I mean, Saskatchewan's massive, and it has. I don't know. I think it's like. Can't remember, but not. There's not that many people up there, so. It's uh. Yeah, I mean, it's just different, you know? I mean, like, I mean, think about Minnesota, how many hunters there are, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just cool to kind of, like, and don't get me wrong, like, you'll get to some areas where you're like, damn, there's literally 15 trailers at this motel, <laughs> like, in the middle of nowhere, Canada, and you're like, okay, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of birds, and you probably can, probably can figure it out. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be the nice thing. I mean, you go somewhere and not have many people i mean shit we early season this year i mean two weeks before the season we were out scouting around asking permission i think i got out of the 60 times i asked i think i got 52 no's so that was that was a lot of people and i mean granted i moved to a different well i started going down to college in southwest minnesota and uh so it's like a whole new area I had to kind of relearn on where the birds are yeah. and everything. Um, but I realized that there's a lot of people down here that like to hunt early season. But then once yeah. October hits, like, it really slims down. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of kind of like, well, I mean, if, if, if the border's open, I'm going to be there. You yeah. Know, this is, I mean, obviously, I'm going to do the outfitter, but... It's kind of like anything. I mean, like there's there's good and bad of every situation, and like you know, Canada's awesome. But you know, that's one thing I love about waterfowl is like instead of like turkey or elk or something, is it's kind of like you do Canada early, then you come down. You know, then you this state's really good at this certain time, or yeah. once everything freezes and this is cool, it's like it kind of changes as the year goes on. You know, yeah, so you go from hunting like. You know, you're hunting in freaking Carhartt pants and a hoodie, Canada, and then by the end of it, you're you're hunting desperate birds that are like stacked up on a gravel pit that are, you know, trading off to keep it open. You know, yeah, it's just the cool process, like throughout the year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and you've experienced that better than anyone. 
um, with all the trips that you've been able to make and, uh, you know, kind of see how different people do different things and how it can really change on early season. You're hunting, like you said, and then late you're all trying to stay warm and sitting in an A-frame with yeah, Peter's running or whatever it is. Yeah, we, uh, we hunted with big cans with this, uh, February for late goose and um Kansas and it was it was like we had like two 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 heaters per a frame I think it was like negative twenty wind chill it was, it was brutal oh yeah yeah I hear you on that we've had uh, a few of those days up in Minnesota oh, I know Minnesota's brutal have you ever been up to Minnesota to hunt yeah I hunted uh. I hunted this fall with Maxed Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I hunted with uh, Reaction Waterfowl, Jordan Kyle. Okay. And I think that's all I've done in Minnesota. Okay, absolutely. So I think I've only done early goose. I've never done, like, you know, like Rochester, freaking none of that. Yeah. Fergus. Yeah, I've never done any of the you know kind of. I, I just did a couple hunts in September. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Jordan's uh, he's not too far from me. I think he's like an hour and a half north of me. I think so. Kind of gotcha. Kind of right where, right around where we're at, I guess. But yeah, no. Uh, those Fergus hunts that they do in the winter are insane up there, up in northern Minnesota. That's what I've heard. They're uh, they're a pretty cool gig. I mean, they get a bunch of birds from Manitoba that I guess are like all rivet banded up, and you know everything's got a leg band. You drive around the, you know, city the city, and you'll see just a bunch of bands. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. I mean, we get we get quite a few bands around here too. They band quite a bit in Mankato, and I mean you can. Drive around. I was driving around yesterday, and there was just a bunch of bands walking around um, before the snowstorm. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's fun. I mean, we shoot uh shoot a good amount of bands. A lot of them are from like that year, and they're banded right, right in Mankato, but it's still fun to shoot them. Right. Yep. But yeah, no, I was gonna say. Um, also in Canada, do you think you'll have anyone come? from Canada and hunt with you guys, or is it going to be a lot from uh, America? Uh, it'll probably States. be mostly American, but I'm not, like, obviously I don't, like, discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I've got a couple connections to some other areas in Canada. Like, I have an aunt who has a friend. Um, you know, I know, I know some other people out east in Canada, and they may, you know, I may have built a little bit of a client basis from Canada, but I think I'm going to focus most of my efforts towards Americans. Yeah, absolutely. And are you thinking about building a lodge up there? Yep. So I, uh, for, so my area right now, um, this first year, um, there's a two or three lodges I'm looking at renting. Okay. Um, I'm kind of trying to figure out which one's going to be the best fit. Yeah. And then, uh, my goal for the following year is to either buy or rent. And there's a guy I've talked to up there that has a pretty awesome uh, 
property that would that would work really well for an outfitter uh plenty of bedrooms and acres that kind of deal um oh, perfect and uh with a shop so i'm gonna try to you know it just kind of depends you know if i go and decide you know okay i'm gonna you know maybe i do want to build or it's I've, I've got time to figure it out but i basically have I'm either going to build or I'm going to buy this one lodge. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a really big part of my outfitter kind of vision is I really want to have the lodging aspect be pretty dialed because yeah. I've hunted out of a hotel a lot and it's just not really much, not really my jam. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of, you know, if someone's coming to Canada and they're hunting twice a day and sitting in their hotel and trying to dry gear and it's just, it sucks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I'm going to try my best, you know, maybe, maybe if we're doing spring snows and it turns into where we kind of got a, there's a one or two groups that it's like, Hey, it would make more sense to get a hotel just because of where the birds are. Something like that, you know, sure. We'll do it. But I, I don't want to build my business off hotels. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. So lodging just a great way um, to bring people in. Yeah, too. I just, yeah. I mean, I just think if you're going to come to Canada, Canada and you're going to hunt with me, I want you to get the full experience and kill birds and, you know, eat good food and be comfortable and do the whole deal. Yeah, absolutely. And are you going to be uh, chasing snows in the spring too as well up there? Yes. Okay. How is yep. that compared to like the United States on chasing snows? I've heard um, it's a little bit different. It is. It's uh it's awesome it's uh they they do what they're way i describe it is they just like do what they're supposed to do you know like yeah i've heard a couple people say different things but you know the way i see it it's kind of like like they're like rutting yeah like they're rutting snow geese and like they just kind of let their guard down a little bit they get up there they're not really flying and like they get that kind of breeding mode going mentally yeah and i just feel like they kind of they fly lower they're flying a little bit smaller groups and they're just they're just more killable yeah absolutely um so if you actually want to kill snow geese <laughs> like i mean i'm not saying i mean there's guys that i mean i saw i saw some big shoots this year in arkansas but it's just and it's more consistent that's, yeah that's probably the best way to describe it it's more consistent you don't have tubes you have a limit there is that okay but it's just you're consistently probably going to do well more days than not but you're not going to probably have as big a shoots. Yeah. What's the limit up there because for the snows? 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. 20 and no tubes. 20 and no. Can you use e-collars up there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be that'll be sweet then for you. I mean, that's Yeah, so that'll be a that'll be a fun deal. It's um that's honestly one of my favorite things to do is hunt snows up there and I'll probably do, I don't know, 30 days in the spring up there. Oh, wow. When do you guys usually start chasing them up there? Um, so that's, that is, I'm not, I'm not sure. It really depends on weather, okay. um, how we're going to do the snows. Cause I've hunted snows up there, but I've never outfitted snows up there, obviously, because this is my first year doing the outfitter. So yeah. as far as like me going on my own, and knowing the birds are there going and hunting for a week or two uh you know versus doing 
doesn't help it or you know maybe we, we might i think what we're gonna do is probably just tell everybody like hey like you're gonna be like you're gonna be on standby and we'll just tell you when when they're there and yeah let's go yeah so probably start in april okay yeah fair enough but but just trying to you know i mean if they're there if the weather's right and they're there early then hey let's, we're gonna start now or if it's later hey we'll start then because you know, there's no point in having someone fly up to Canada if there's no birds there yet. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And how late do you guys usually hunt in Canada in the fall? Like what's kind of the... uh, we'll hmm. probably we'll probably just hunt through October. Okay. Yeah. That one usually everything kind of starts freezing up up there. Um. No. I mean, well, in my I'm going to be a little bit further north. Okay. Uh, I think. You know, I mean, there's birds in Canada through December, yeah, January, whatever. I mean, it just they kind of move and the rivers and open water. You know, they don't necessarily leave right at the end of October. It's like an empty yeah. no man's land. But <laughs> just for me and with booking and stuff like that, I think I'm just gonna try to stick to September and October and yeah, yeah not absolutely. go too crazy. Yeah. Have you thought about doing any guiding once you leave Canada? I have. Um, I talked to, I've talked to a couple of people about potentially doing some stuff to help them out this um, this fall. You know, if Canada doesn't open. Um, honestly, I'd I'd love to just do Canada, guide in Canada, and then kind of hunt on my own yeah. in the off season. I mean, in the regular season down in the states. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just depends on what my my workload looks like for next year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then with photography and stuff too, I can imagine you got some trips that you got to go on and do that kind of stuff. Yeah, with because that's you know if I'm if it gets in the way of split read, it's got to speak. You know, it's hard with commitment with in the states. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I've got all the other stuff. But but you know, if there's a guy who's like, hey, you can come guide for two weeks here, I would do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now with split read, what do you kind of what do you kind of hope in your end goal? is with all that kind of stuff you got going on uh so really just keep growing the brand and um helping build outfitters and um i think it'd be really cool honestly to you know obviously i'm doing it to make money you know i'm not doing it for my health but (laughs) i want to i would love to be able to um eventually be able to you know, hire a couple people full time and just kind of have it as a legit business that, I mean, we're, we're actually going to hire a full-time employee this year, but I have some full-time employees that, and just kind of, you know, build it into kind of like a well-oiled machine that, you know, makes, makes some good money and, you know, I can get a pretty good return on it each year and, yeah, um, you know, be, be make a positive impact on the hunting community. Yeah. Really. Absolutely. And how do you whether guys... it's through brands or through social media or uh outfitters. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you guys kinda find out which outfitter you want um be like your trusted outfitter and how do you guys what's the process for that? Uh so if someone hits us up and wants to um you know, is interested or maybe we hit them up we we have to hunt with them before we can say we like their premier outfitter because yeah. kind of defeats the purpose of the whole deal if 
we've never hunted with them and we're saying they're a premier outfitter yeah um so you know there may be someone that we we, we think they're legit we'll, we'll kind of like we'll talk to them and, and you know before we can truly make them a premier outfitter we've got to go hunt with them yeah um there's a couple people that we've um we've put on earlier but just through connections and stuff it kind of kind of was a we hunted we had enough people that we trusted that had been with them that we put them on um but they weren't all the way on the premiere status yet yeah so it's kind of like hey we'll put you on but you know you're not premiere until we actually one of one of us comes yeah um so it's kind of we basically just want to hunt with them and make sure they're they're legit you know i mean the last thing i want to do is send someone somewhere and they're like man this was a shit show like yeah. God's guy didn't even show up. We were in a field. The farmer came out yelling, said these, we didn't have permission to be there. And what, what was this was trash. Yeah, you know that's just I don't I don't want to ever have that happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what do you kind of look for in the outfitters when you're going on those hunts? Uh, uh, it really, I mean, it really depends. I mean, you know, success like success with the hunting is obviously awesome. Yeah. Um you know bird numbers you know uh it depends i mean some places like man this place is a great lodge great food you know there's a certain client that's going to come to split read and say hey i want to do a bachelor's party here yeah. i want to drink a lot want to eat really good food um i want to sleep in comfy beds and that's that's what i want so that would be a good you know you look for a place that's like oh this has got a good lodge and then it's like oh this is more of a hotel experience but you still have really good hunting that's a little bit cheaper um really depends i mean you know i i just like people that i feel like are going to treat clients with respect and um are going to deliver a good hunt and feel like they're honest you know yeah absolutely and then for the brands too that you guys kind of have partnered with um what do you kind of look for in that and then how do you get connected with them uh i really try to just find we we really just try to find um, a brand that we can kind of see being beneficial to both of us. Um, you know, if it's if it's a company that you know that's something we we use or we believe in, and it's kind of like okay, this is going to be easy for us to work together. You know, like like we all use this this product. You know, like yeah. this is a product that we all love and think is great and which we believe in and we think there's a it, it's going to sell because we use it and it's legit and and it's not going to be a huge pain in the ass for us to market because we don't ever use it you know what i mean yeah so it's kind of like you know if, if i'm going to work with a company that i never use like like we work with browning firearms yeah like i love my browning maxis too um that's like it's not like i have to like it's not an ordeal to like market for that. Cause I'm always going to have it with me. If I'm yeah. hunting, I have my gun, you know? So it's kind of like that, you know, they're, they're a brand that we like and yeah, um, we came to a kind of an agreement on what we can offer them and what they can offer us and just kind of worked out. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, we try to find brands that we, we, we support and we believe in, and it's really about the people um, like working with good people. You know, Absolutely. people that are easy to work with, like, you know, you trust them and 
Yeah, no, I'm you feel like you can build a good relationship together. Yeah, yeah, and it's like like you're saying, it's not a hassle for you to bring it out and like take photos with it or film for it or whatever it is. It's like you already have it and you're already using it, and so just a great way to kind of keep that rolling. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I like I liked watching that Browning film that you guys uh kind of created, and then, oh yeah, uh, like with Browning and then how you're talking to the DNR and all that kind of stuff. That was really cool to kind of see. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, bring that to life for freelance hunters that go all around the country and like, or for like North Dakota. I mean, I go up there and freelance every year. Yep. And it's a good spot. Oh, absolutely. I love going to North Dakota. Like we, we usually take like two trips up there every year. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll sometimes hunt with my buddies from Smackham, um, but also we'll just kind of roll all the way out to, I mean, we've been all the way up to Crosby, and that's right. that's kind of a slept-on area in North Dakota for, like, snow geese and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, no, yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, being able to uh, go freelance your own hunts, I feel like a lot, a lot of people are trying to uh, do that now that i've seen i mean to be able to uh kind of use your guys' stuff to the advantage on how to you know become a better freelance hunter or whatever it is um and read your articles and stuff like that i feel like that's a game changer yeah but yeah no i it's been fun and then like some of your trips with dive bomb i mean what was your what was your favorite trip that you guys took Uh, probably for the experience, um, Alaska. Yeah. Um, just cause I was in Alaska waterfowl hunting and <laughs> crazy, yeah. uh, you know, but I mean, like Asher and I talked about this the other day, like really like one of my favorite hunts was the first time I hunted Lester's with Will Riddle last year, mm. um, or no, two years ago, um, uh, three years ago years ago and uh because i i just never done like i mean the red dirt laying in the socks yeah. with a ghillie blanket and shooting lessers at 10 feet <laughs> and it was just like man this is so cool and then like you know like the first time uh the first time i hunted spring specs in oregon you know i was like man i'm shooting a freaking speckle belly in, in march this is crazy <laughs> you know yeah so it's kind of i mean it really did Dude, there's a lot of cool experiences, but you know, I don't really have a favorite trip. I mean, they're all fun. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's great. Meet new people and seeing different parts of the country and the crew. I mean, the dive bomb crew I was with was always awesome. So it didn't matter where we were. We always had fun. Yeah. How was that uh, New Zealand trip that you guys took? New Zealand was sick. It was that was another one. I mean, was like it was like I don't. It didn't matter if the hunting was good or not. I mean, I was in New Zealand. Yeah, the hunting was good, but uh, those guys are awesome. Um, all of that whole New Zealand crew, they're great, great, great dudes, and it's a beautiful, beautiful country. They're awesome hosts. Like they they showed us the deal. We ate, you know, we ate meat pies and. Oh. We, I mean, we got, we got, we had the, we had the whole experience. It was, it was super, super cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, that was a really fun trip. 
Yeah. Yeah, what's it like hunting geese out there? I heard that, like... Um, it's kind of like hunting early geese. Yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of like... It just kind of reminded me of, like, hunting residential geese. Uh, like, they're kind of... Smaller, smaller feeds that are kind of... Like you're hunting grass, you're hunting, we were hunting in a t-shirt and Crocs yeah. and it just, I mean, we were there in the earlier part, but like, it just kind of felt like it was residential hunting. Yeah. Yeah. What are the limits and stuff like that out there? There aren't any. Really? No limits. Um, I think you can use, I think you can use tubes. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no limits. Is there a reasoning behind that on why they just don't uh, allow it? They're they're not um, native mm. to New Zealand, so I think I believe they just kind of see them as like a pest. I mean, don't don't quote me. Yeah, I can't remember. I think they, I think Jeff said that they are seen as a pest, and it's uh, kind of you know they're not native here, so they don't really like don't really want them for them. Yeah, I guess. yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're kind of like uh, carp for us up in Minnesota, then. Right. And just kind of go let them go, let them have it. Yep. Huh. That's pretty neat. Is that? And then for like Scotland, when you went on that trip, what was the hunting out like there? Same, same program with the no limits and stuff. Um, Jeez. Scotland is freaking cool, man. It's they have pink feet, which are kind of like they look like juvie specks. Yeah um and it's just super cool to hunt green grass with you know stone walls and sheep everywhere it's just just pretty wild uh just to be in scotland hunting you know because most people that go to scotland if they do ever go to scotland probably aren't going to hunt yeah so it's just kind of a cool experience you know like you're riding in a little land rover with driving on the other side of the road and (laughs) You're hunting. We were hunting with a bunch of French guys. It's just it was just cool. Oh, absolutely. I heard that. Like, do you have to use steel up there? No. That's crazy. No, we use lead. That's crazy. Uh, did you notice that you can? Uh, oh yeah. Really put a beat yeah, on them more. Lead's, <laughs> lead's the lead's the deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's crazy to think that you can shoot lead up there. Because, I mean, if you could shoot lead here, there'd be so many less cripples. I mean, yeah. you'd be, you'd be I don't know, I don't. Yeah. I, uh, lead's, a, lead's a pretty cool deal. But, yeah. Got to follow the rules. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, when we hunt pheasants, you can definitely tell the difference when you're shooting lead compared to steel. It, yeah. It puts a beating down on them pretty good, especially for those like mm-hmm. late season pheasants that are just mm-hmm. tough. I mean, if you shoot lead at them, they're going down. If you shoot steel, they might keep flying. Right. And so, yeah, I wonder if they'd, uh, yeah, because I know they were talking about, or I was reading something where you can't shoot lead because of the eagles in the United States on when they like. If you shoot one and don't find it and then causes lead poisoning the eagles um i don't huh. know how true that is or whatnot but i read that off I don't know, some article but 
that makes me think on if that's the reason why we're able to shoot lead for pheasants and not for waterfowl. Right. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, if you're right. shooting lead for pheasants, I mean, you could still wound them and not find them, and the eagles can still come down and get them. But I wonder yeah. why they don't allow that for waterfowl, honey. I think it's because they go back to water. Yeah. Yeah. And the pellets fall out in the water. And... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you make a good point on that. I mean, lead poisoning in the water or whatever, and then... Yeah, and have then, different you things. know, someone someone drinks it and has a kid with a third foot. Yeah. <laughs> that whole deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And then your photography, um, you know, with traveling around with dive bomb, I bet you learned some things along the way with different people on how to, you know, take different photos and stuff like that. And how was that beneficial to you? Uh... I spent most of the time videoing. Okay. Um, we kind of, uh, when I started with, with that bomb, um, I mean, I obviously took like, you know, product photos and mm -hmm. there were days where, you know, I would take photos of this and that. Um, but I, I would say majority of the time I was doing more, uh, I was doing more video and um yeah i mean just just hunting in different places and learning from different people videoing or taking photos of different hunts and using other people's lenses or different setups it's just anytime you can be around someone that does what you do like often yeah it's like before i hunted wait before dive bomb i just kind of hunted like with my friends and i was the only one with a camera yeah so like I I was just learning what I was figuring out on my own. But when I was, you know, hunting with when I was like hunt taking photos next to Cade and Forrest or, you know, maybe another guide would have a camera, you know, I was picking up things along the way for sure, which so basically what I would say is yes, it's super beneficial because anytime you're around someone like duck calling or anything else i mean it's just kind of like if you're around someone around other people doing it you're going to get better because you're going to learn oh I, I had no idea about like like oh wow i had no idea you could do that in your editing yeah. i've been taking pictures for three years and we thought about that or like you know because like one time i remember i was with Cade in the car and i remember we were just like talking about editing something and he showed me something and i was just like damn i had no idea and then been like taking pictures for four years and <laughs> So, like, you know, just the more time you can spend around people that do the same things as you, you're obviously going to get better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, other than, like, photography and uh, what are some of the other things that you kind of learned along the way on hunting with all these different people? I mean. Uh, I mean, I definitely learned, you know, some different setups, like, kind of, like, things, like, uh, things you could do with your decoys kind of, you know, I mean, just stuff like that. But then like, there's definitely some stuff like I saw some really cool trailer designs, you know, where I was like, wow, that's super cool. Like you did that with your, you put your rakes like on your roof or, you know, yeah. like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, just, I guess just being around it, man, you just kind of, kind of pick up on different things. And, um, you know, I don't really hunt a lot of ponds. I guess so you know like we hunted one day with um blue stem and they ran their ice eater the whole time um 
and just kind of kept a rip, ripple going through the decoys and it was like oh that's cool like I me mean, i like i that was the only time i hunted over an icy eater the last two years because last year was the first year we had our floaters for dive bomb yeah and then the year before we just hunted you know we we're hunt, field hunting every day so last few years i've really just been field hunting and you know i've hunted over ice eater before from time to time but like you know it's not something i do all the time and you know the generator was pretty close and we were finishing birds and i was like oh that's cool <laughs> like you know it's a situational thing you're like maybe it's the right kind of right kind of day right kind of situation i guarantee you some days birds wouldn't finish with the generator that close but it kind of made me think well maybe you can get away with it sometimes you know so just learning stuff you know yeah absolutely i bet um well i can imagine that that's a great way to uh you know take some things away on different spreads and stuff and bring it up with you to saskatchewan um maybe some yep. different things to try out mm-hmm. yep sure and uh yeah that'll sure. be, i bet that's a i mean even just talking to the guys that i've talked to i mean i've thought about different ways to run my spread in minnesota on how mm-hmm. things would work differently or you know if this would work um on you know maybe running tall socks or something in a dirt field i mean i've never never tried it maybe we'll try it um for big geese but i don't know don't see many people doing it but it'd be kind of cool just to experience it at least once and if it fails right. it fails um yeah and if it works out great that's another tool mm-hmm. that we can use mm-hmm. so yeah no it'll be it'll be good but i mean yeah man i don't want to um going to take too much more of your time i know uh pretty busy but i mean we covered a ton of stuff today and yeah we did <laughs> that was awesome uh yeah and is there anything that we didn't cover that i mean you'd like to still talk about um not really man i mean i think we covered a lot i'm uh i'm impressed with your podcast i think it's pretty cool and thanks Glad, glad you're doing it. I think it's like it's good stuff. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come hop on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Happy to do it. Thanks yeah. for considering me. Oh, absolutely. I think I, uh, I think I ran into you way earlier. Were you ever at the game fair in Minnesota? I was. Okay, yeah. I think I met you one time out there. That was many years ago. That was when I was. Yeah. A lot younger, but yeah, I kind of kept that in the back of my mind. I always kind of wanted to have you on. Yeah, well, heck yeah, I'm glad we did it. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Well, yeah, no, I mean, let people know on uh, how they can get in touch with you for Thunderbird and, you know, how that can work out. Yeah, I've got got an Instagram page, Thunderbird Outfitters, and uh, just we're kind of waiting on, on the border to open. I'm not taking deposits or anything until uh i'm not basically not booking anything until the border opens i don't want to sit on someone's deposit yeah just pain so once the border opens we're ready to roll um but yeah hit me up on uh, thunderbird outfitters or my personal page and nck underscore coast is on instagram and we'll uh we'll go hunting and try to give you everything i got put it on a good show for you give you a good hunt and experience Awesome, brother. Well, thank you once again for joining, and I'll talk to you soon.
All right, man. All right. Take care. See ya. And that wraps things up today for the episode with Mr. Nick Costas. And I had a blast absolutely talking to him and learning about Saskatchewan and what goes on up there. And then also, you know, his time at Dive Bomb and how that's expanded onto the next chapter of his life and the opportunities he was given to, you know, do some of these different hunts, how he was connected with them over in uh, Scotland. And it was really neat to hear his story and how he's moving on to a next chapter in his life. So I can only wish him the best on the outfitter up in Saskatchewan. I hope it opens up this year for him and he can start running clients because it's going to be a mess up there when he gets up there. He's just going to be beating him down. He loves running up there. That's his place to be. And I'm super excited for him. So hope you guys had a blast listening and thanks once again.